All right, folks, here we are, Saturday night special, big session, big event, America Saved from U.S. Inc. is the title of tonight's episode. I'm really looking forward to bringing this update for you guys. I uh, appreciate you guys for letting me take a couple days off. We flew down to San Diego and uh, got out into wine country there for a couple days and uh, had a great little time, a little getaway, quick one, but excited to get back to work. A lot unfolding, a lot of distractions unraveling uh, before us. And we always want to understand that uh, whatever they're telling us to get emotionally invested in, emotionally triggered by, is where they want us to be looking while they continue to roll out a new financial system, while they continue to rug pull the United States economy. And as we battle a United States incorporate, uh, United States corporate government that has truly gone bankrupt, not only financially, fiscally, uh, but I would actually argue morally as well as we expose the criminal corruption at the highest levels of the United States government. Can we please save this country? Let's do it together, folks. Tapped in tonight, cryptocurrency, current events of the greatest transfer of wealth in world history. What an absolute pleasure. I got major announcements, major interviews coming, major, major sessions on the way. You guys know 2023 is going to be a massive year for our community. Tapped in, ready to pounce on some of the best opportunities we will see in our lifetime. Not only for digital currencies, but we're also understanding how to move in real estate, precious metals, how to grow and start our business. And it's essential that we survive these times with the proven strategies. And we're going to break it all down for you guys here tonight. Now, let's get started by taking a look here at the cryptocurrency market. So we see that the market has been hanging out here doing all right. 23,135 at the time of this recording. We are at quarter after seven on the West Coast. And uh, this is January 28th, by the way. We're tuning in here live. Appreciate you guys for hanging out with me on a Saturday night session. Ethereum at about 1600 and our XRP's at 41 cents. Okay, good. Good looking out. Now, let's get straight on into the update. It's going to be a major one current events to start us off. Uh, we will get back into the cryptocurrency stuff later after we get addressed by our good friend, Donald J. Trump. Let's start it off. Let's get it going. If you take a look right now, the nuclear word is being mentioned all the time. This is a word that you're not allowed to use. It was never used during the Trump administration, but now other countries are using that word against us because they have no respect for our leadership. World War III would be a catastrophe unlike any other. This would make World War I and World War II like very small battles. The best way to ensure that such a conflict never happens is to be prepared with unmatched technology and unrivaled strength. To this end, when I'm Commander-in-Chief to build a state-of-the-art next-generation missile defense shield, just as Israel is now protected by the Iron Dome, a dream once thought impossible, America must have an impenetrable dome to protect our people. If you take a look right Sorry, I was muted there for a second. Yeah. So I think it's interesting to see Mr. Donald Trump here uh, ban the use and, and try to cancel the use of the word nuclear. And I, I agree with him. I think that we definitely want to avoid the nuclear war. But if you guys caught that, he mentions when I'm when, when I'm commander in chief. And so we, we take that note. We take that note, Mr. President. We hear you loud and clear. We see the moves that you are making. We see the position that is taking place here in this country. And like I said... 
from the top were addressing a corporate United States government that did start to get unraveled when this man was in office. Whether you love him or you hate him, you got to recognize what he was doing. Right? No matter if you're emotionally triggered by him or not, no matter what CNN or MSNBC tells us we need to think about him, or even Fox News tells us we need to think about him, you have to recognize what he did to disrupt what was in place. And that's in regards to the corporate United States government. Okay, Started to unravel some things. We start to see we're going to start here this episode by addressing this uh, military conflict and the situation at hand. This next tweet here from Jim Rickards talking about the position here. This is the unmanned Russian AI-controlled robot tank killer called Marker. It can take out an Abrams and Leopard tank from a distance of six kilometers like shooting fish in a barrel. Don't bother explaining this to Biden. He's too senile to understand. So so once again here, we start to see, uh, you know, I'm not picking, picking a side here. Uh, good guy, bad guy, Mr. Putin. Uh, but once again, we just see the positioning ramping up on both sides because we get this from kim.com a leaked memo from u.s air force general mike minahan to air force commanders predict a war with china in 2025 general minahan ordered his subordinates to prepare a report by the end of february on measures to prepare for hostilities with china the u.s is running out of time Boy, folks, a huge shout out to our military. Uh, you know, always, always God bless our troops and, and we support our troops. But God, please help us avoid this conflict and this war that they are setting up here on the world stage. Mr. Donald Trump obviously set up to be uh, the, the return of the commander in chief has always been the move in my eyes as far as how this plays out historically. Like I said, and like I'll always say, don't care about your feelings. And Mr. Trump don't care about your feelings, as a matter of fact. But it's just how this is going to play out historically. And I think that he is going to be making a sweeping move back into office as commander-in-chief. But what what destruction, what deals are going to get done here uh, before we correct this, before we can fix this situation? And like I said, may God help us avoid this conflict. We are praying for peace in Ukraine, Russia, and, and we continue to pray for peace, and we want to de-escalate. Uh, we want to cancel the word nuclear. You know, usually we're not for canceling a word, but yeah, I, I would agree, Mr. Trump, uh, President Trump, that we do. We, we do need to avoid that type of conflict because it would be ugly. But you can see the powers to be what their plan is, what uh, they're pushing us towards, what they're pushing Mr. Putin towards, Right. And so we're just going to continue to call for peace, and we're going to continue to call it like it is. The United States has been perpetuating a, 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 a well, I, I can't say too much, but the United States is not innocent, right? Um, we are not the saving grace for any country, usually when we get involved in their internal affairs. Uh, I, and I'm just going to leave my comments at that. But I, like I said, I support our troops. I pray for peace. We understand the operations that are being exposed in Ukraine, the type of operations that were taking place in that country. Seems like some entities on a certain, uh, with a certain agenda had some infrastructure set up in that country for doing some things that I don't think are nice. And that's my nice way of putting it, and that's how I'm going to leave it at that. But let's continue to watch this one, folks. The tanks are supposed to be going that way. What is this all about, though? What is all of this come back to? The currency war that's underway in the fall of the United States incorporated the corporate government with the corporate fiat dollar that was taken off of the gold standard. Let's understand this situation. Unbelievable, folks. Wall Street Silver. 
the United States paid $853 billion in interest for $31 trillion debt in 2022, more than the defense budget in 2023. If the Fed keeps rates at these levels or higher, we will be at $1.2 trillion to $1.5 trillion in interest paid on the debt in 2023. The U.S. government collects about $4.9 trillion in taxes. Now, let's put this in perspective for you guys. You guys got your mortgage payment. You got your truck payment. You got your credit card, right? Imagine that 20% of the income you brought in, your household income, was going just to the interest on that debt, not including the principal on your mortgage, the principal on your vehicle, right? Just going towards the interest. That is the situation, the financial statement. Uh, the cash flow statement, whatever you want to call it, however you want to look at this thing, right? This is a corporation that is bust. This is a United States government that no longer has been representing the people for a long time now. And the destruction of our dollar is underway. We continue in, in a stalled out little timeline here where the rest of the world is, is, is figuring it out. The rest of the world's ditching the dollar. They're ditching the reserve currency. Um, they, they don't care about being woke. They want to get real deals done. They want to get real energy flowing in and out of their country. And they want to trade in uh, e either their local currency or gold is primarily it, right? And we see that, you know, Saudi Arabia and some of our biggest allies, some of the biggest supporters of the petrodollar reserve currency status are leaving and saying that they are open to using other currencies for trade. So this is why we see that staged conflict that we begin this episode with. And, and it's unfortunate, like I said, uh, the, the, the amount of the trillions of dollars that we have spent wasted in the Middle East, uh, you know, more damage done, I think, than good in, in a lot of ways. And, and I think that uh, at this point, whether you're for it or you're against it, we're, bu we're broke, we're bust. It's just like with anything else that I say, wh whether you want the government to take care of you or not, whether you think it's right, the government owes you something or not, the government's broke. So you, you need to acknowledge that. That's like saying that mommy and daddy should up your allowance without you realizing that mommy and daddy are broke. The situation in your household right now is that 20% of your income is going towards interest. That's the United States as, as Americans, for the Americans tuning in. Now, if you guys tune in across the world, you guys are in a different situation. God bless you. God bless you. You're up against the same powers that be, the same evil, the same central bankers. Your politicians probably sold you out as well. God bless you for calling them out. God bless you for fighting the good fight. But here in America, that is the standing. That's our financial statement. 20% of our gross revenue going towards interest. And this is why we say that there's no way out for the United States other than massive printing at the end. The end game is a destruction, a complete destruction of the U.S. dollar as we know it, and a reset, revaluation, uh, restructuring of the debt, the currency, and that's the only way out of the current liquidity crisis. Incredible, guys. We are going to be paying over $1 trillion in interest here in 2023, and they still want to increase the amount of spending. No cuts. They just want to keep on racking up that bill. Now, let's continue on. So this was from a few days ago, but I, I, as you know, I alluded to at the beginning of the show here, I've been off for a couple of days, and and so I didn't get a chance to cover this one. Wanted to bring it back up and and you make sure everyone caught this right. This was truly incredible. Back on January twenty fifth, 
Just in, the New York Stock Exchange says approximately 4,341 trades in 251 symbols were impacted by their technical, excuse me, technical error yesterday. The New York Stock Exchange claims that it was a manual error is, is what they're saying, right? And so basically the, the New York Stock Exchange, not all of it shut down, but a lot of it did. I mean, over 4,300 trades and it affected over 251 different stocks. And this manual error that they're calling it led to them shutting down and they were able to flip the switch. And I was actually watching the interviews on CNBC and they were talking about how great it was that they now have that back, that back door, that ability to flip the switch off and to stop and halt all trading and how great it is. And it really helped keep, keep markets stable. Why, you know, you know, manual error is the excuse for this one. I'm about to show you guys the next one. What is up with all of these glitches with these errors? Is it a coincidence? Is it all done by design? XRP Alliance shared this one with me. They're fixing to change the spot price on precious metals. They've zeroed out the dollar to silver ratio and the dollar to gold ratio. What does this mean? I'm thinking it means they're about to change the value since we're heading to an asset-backed monetary system, baby. Well, you know, we've been kind of watching and waiting for this one. But yes, you can see here, this was on the U.S. National Debt Clock, usdebtclock.org. The dollar to oil ratio went to zero per barrel. Dollar to silver ratio went to zero per ounce. And then the dollar to gold ratio also went to zero dollars per ounce. And then I also did find there was some other um, glitches on that as well. But we just continue to watch the manipulation. Now... Continuing on with this precious metals, what we see here, this one was shared to me by uh, my, my, my good friend Johnny here, uh, but this was shared by Michael originally. Comex registered silver vaults break below 33 million ounces. You heard that, 33 million ounces, first time since May of 2017. And this one from Golden Toilet. I don't think I've ever seen such an obvious market intervention and direct management of an asset as I have seen in silver the last six weeks. It's shockingly obvious capping of price. And, uh, you know, this guy down below here says, Yukon Cornelia says, or it had a nice rally and it is just consolidating. Well, Golden, Golden Toilet responds, tightest consolidation I think I've ever seen. And so I'm about to show you guys here later, XRP. And I think Alex Alex Cobb called it the mother of all triangles. And, and it's just interesting to see how closely we see silver, gold, XRP, some of these other digital assets like XLM that have been suppressed as well. These suppressed assets in just a, a historic mother of all triangles is what Alex Cobb called it. But the price manipulation is blatant now and the vaults are getting emptied. So you guys can do the math. I'm not here to give you financial advice. I'm here to show you the silver that I'm stacking. I'm here to present a link on down below, a link on over at my website to get in touch with my people and to have them ship some metals directly to your house or have them roll over your 401k retirement account to precious metals. That's what I'm here to do, not to give you financial advice, but I'll show you what I'm stacking and we're gonna keep steadily stacking as long as this uh, consolidation, as long as these mother of all triangles continue on and they wanna continue with these games and this fiat monetary system stays alive, we will continue to stack, okay? Now let's continue on here. Robert Kiyosaki asks a question, what is worse than a Great Depression? Answer, a global recession. Unfortunately, we are in a global recession, hang on. 
rough landing for the world, bad news, bankruptcy, unemployment, homelessness soar, retirements toast, good news, bargains everywhere, gold, silver, Bitcoin priceless. Bitcoin priceless. Now that that's where I always uh, I always have a laugh. I always you know have a good time listening to Robert talk about Bitcoin being being the only crypto that he ever mentions. Shout out to Robert and guys. I am so excited. So tomorrow and on Monday as well, uh, we're going to be attending the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, and Robert Kiyosaki is actually going to be speaking and. Uh, along with Andy Sheckman, you guys saw that I just had the interview with Andy Sheckman. He's going to be taking the stage. He's going to be putting on a workshop, really looking forward to connecting with Andy and then just getting to listen to some of these, you know, basically the top thought leaders in the world when it comes to business, uh, economics and uh, precious metals. And so I'm super excited, guys. The Vancouver Resource Investment Conference, one of the most popular precious metals conference uh, and basically resource investment conferences that take place in the world. Really looking forward to this one. Robert Kiyosaki, Mark Moss, Lynette Zhang, um, Economic Ninja, um, you know, Jay Martin's putting on this this conference. And like I said, Andy Sheckman's going to be there, Rick Rule, um, countless other names and sessions that I'm really, really looking forward to. And uh, the one session that's going to be interesting is Deglobalization and the New World Order. And that one has Robert on it, I think, with a couple other guys there as well. Just one of the many sessions that I'm really looking forward to. But um, the, the interesting thing about going to this tomorrow and Monday is that uh, what I'm looking to soak up, the, the knowledge that I'm looking to gain is you know, further understanding of the precious metals markets and the the investment opportunities within resources, within, you know, the, the trading of these commodities. And for me, uh, you know, I'm not really, you know, too, too interested in getting pitched by all these mining companies. It's a matter of understanding how it functions because this is the return to the real economy, right? The, the real economy has been overlooked and everybody's been putting their money back into stocks and this and that, uh, the tech stocks primarily, right? And I think that there is going to be an opportunity at hand with some of the mining, uh, with some of the mining stocks. Um, we've actually already seen them kind of move up as we've seen silver start to break out. We've seen gold start to start to break out as well. And so the, the the miners there will be an opportunity, but it's really an opportunity for me to understand just how it works more on a back end level, uh, where where the value is at and how it works because I want to understand how the, these you know especially specifically like silver and gold how these metals are manipulated, and so these conversations are going to be from you know guys that are on the ground floor at the mines actually getting it out of the ground all the way up to the thought leaders on the macroeconomic level, like Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rick Rule, Andy Sheckman, and these guys. Uh, and so just being able to put this all together in a two-day conference, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a, just a wealth of knowledge shared there. So I'm going to be reporting uh, from there, guys. I don't know how much recording. I, you know, I probably won't be recording that much because I'm just going to be trying to soak it up. But definitely going to be taking my notes, trying to learn from these guys. And then I will be reporting back and letting you know how it goes. So that's going to be taking place over the next two days. Now, this is interesting to see here, folks. Continuing on, what we see here is the banks uh, asking for forgiveness asking for some grace from the central banks up there in Canada. This is shared by Steve Soretsky. National Bank is first out of the gates, calling for the Bank of Canada to cut rates by 50 basis points before the end of the year and a further 100 basis points cut 
in 2024. So we need to cut half a percent this year, and then we need to cut another full percent next year, 2024. And this is the one of the first banks, I guess, out of Canada begging for mercy is what that is. They're begging for mercy. And, and I think that many people do see that a, a pivot is going to be necessary because any further pain, I mean, they are going to squeeze this thing. Um, but we have to take the Fed, we have to take these central bankers at their word. They're kind of laying out a game plan of continuing to raise interest rates a couple more times and then basically freezing them, just stalling out with the interest rate uh, raises. And then we're going to see where they go from there. You know, I'm going to be interested to listen to some of these guys at the you know Vancouver Resource Investment Conference and see what they think the Fed's going to do. Because that's kind of the big question right now is, you know, no one trusts the Fed, but we kind of just have to run with what they're telling us. But we're going to continue to watch that. Now, uh, into, into our crypto news, into our crypto update tonight, guys, let's get right on into it. This is major, major session. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for tuning in here tonight. Now, this one shared to us by John Deaton. He says, we will soon see, we will soon witness the final and most aggressive push to shut down crypto. And this one was shared here. The White House just published its crypto policy roadmap saying Bitcoin adoption by mainstream institutions would be a grave mistake. <clears throat> so I just shared uh, a video this morning, actually, about John Deaton talking about how regulations aren't going to come from Congress until 2025 is John Deaton's prediction. And so we're just hoping that Congress kind of gets their act together here sooner. But we see that this White House kind of just getting in, in, in line there with the Wall Street bankers and, and kind of what the Wall Street pitch has been is that uh, this is, you know, not safe. This would be a mistake. And, um, you know, what's funny is that I do believe that um, Bitcoin adoption is not the not the not the move, not the move. It's not the move for me, and I'm not here to give financial advice uh, and tell anybody what to do. But it ain't the move for me. So, so I would actually agree that Bitcoin adoption uh, is not the move. I don't know if I would call it a grave mistake, right? Um, but once again, we know what their move is and how they're positioned to move here with digital assets, and that is to. Um, basically wipe out many of this through many of these cryptocurrencies through regulation and then they got the plans to roll out the cbdc right and i also wanted to make this point too guys sorry uh i forgot to make this point earlier at the vancouver resource investment conference for me my positioning in going to this conference is i am going to be um I, i'm going to be one of the people in the room that understands distributed ledger technology the best in the room you know, and so for me, the conversation is how do we get the old world, these old, you know, mining companies and this old precious metals, these resources that have been traded and have been a part of our, our world and our economy forever? How do we bring them into the new financial system? How do we make these assets more liquid, more easily tracked and traced and an understanding of uh, just, just how much efficiency? we can bring to these markets and we can bring to these companies in their processes with distributed ledger technology. And I think that I started to get that out of Andy Sheckman when we were having our conversation just a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, where he was admitting, you know, that, you know, he, he's not too into crypto, but he does see the utility, right? He does understand blockchain technology, distributed ledger technology and the benefit that it plays. And so for me, my position in going to this conference is like, I'm going to be the young guy, right? The crypto kid. But how do we actually get real business enterprise, you know, solutions and adoptions 
built out onto these ledgers, right? And I'm not going to be there to pitch everyone on XRP. I, you know, if people ask what ledgers, well, what distributed ledger technology do you think works? I'm going to say, well, I think XRP is a great one for liquidity, for payments, um, and, and smart contracts are coming to it. So there's going to be an unlimited amount of utility and DeFi coming to the XRP ledger. I think it's uh, the best, if, you, if you're wondering. And, you know, I do think it is the best. But there's also a few others too. And, and, and so for me, just merging that together, I think is a great opportunity, not only in this conversation with the precious metals and the resources companies, but in all businesses, is how do we bring the traditional business, the traditional brick mom, mom pop shop uh, into the 20, 21st century, right? Uh, and, and so for me, I'm really looking forward to this conversation that's gonna be taking place over the next couple of days at that Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. Now, let's continue on here, though. We're starting to see uh, what's taking place here. And that is the White House puts out their little report talking about um, institutions uh, should not be adopting Bitcoin and everyone should just accept their CBDC. But then we also see Elizabeth Warren, the, the, the banker shill that is Elizabeth Warren, comes out here and she was coordinating questions and testimony with officials from the SEC before their leader testified before Warren's committee in 2021. That's right, guys. So back in 2021, when Gary, good guy Gary Gensler went and took the stand there in the D.C. situation, uh, Elizabeth Warren was colluding with Gary Gensler on the questioning that was going to take place. And it's funny because we called this out when it occurred, right? And this was kind of what was to be expected. Uh, but I did find this one funny from Jeremy Hogan. He sends this message to Elizabeth Warren. Hi, Senator Warren. Collusion is defined as a secret conspiracy in order to deceive others. Secret. So don't use email to collude with the SEC's Chair Gensler. Instead, use WhatsApp or Telegram from a personal device. You're welcome, Jeremy. So Jeremy, trying to help out Elizabeth Warren, hide from the collusion and the secret conspiracy that she's involved in here. But I mean, we called this out from the very beginning, right? Cause it's like, she steps in just like Brad Sherman did the wall street shills step in and they ask good guy, Gary, they set him up on a platter to just come in and be the good guy and smack down the cryptocurrency space. And that's how I really feel like they're setting this thing up. Like, I, like I call him good guy, Gary, they're setting him up to be the good guy. He understands the tech, right? But he's just here to protect you investors. And so He's going to introduce regulations after having us without clarity for years. He's going to bring in some broad sweeping regulations along with Congress, and then they can go after 99% of these projects that did an ICO that raised funds before their project was even built out, did meet the definition of a security. Gary Gensler is going to have plenty of jurisdiction to go after these guys, right? And he's going to be touted as the good guy because he's going to be getting rid of the bad guys. Meanwhile, he uh, is protecting investors, protecting investors, even though he didn't catch FTX, even though he didn't catch Madoff and he didn't catch all these other, uh, you know, the, all these other Ponzi schemes that went bust, all these other crimes and corruption and money laundering that took place under his watch while he's been working within the government regulators for decades, right? But of course, good guy Gary coming from Goldman Sachs. So we already know where he has been aligned. Senator Warren, we understand where she gets her checks. Remember her motto, Elizabeth, I got a plan for that Warren. She's got a plan for you. She's got a plan for your crypto. And it's to absolutely take it out. It's to absolutely wipe it out. Been long talking about this. 
and we have to make our claims. We have to put up our fight. Now, the next one that I'm going to get into here is Fred Rispoli. Now, if you didn't miss, uh, if you missed out on the interview that we did with Fred last week, you got to go check it out. Fred Rispoli, full update from Fred on his class action lawsuit against Coinbase, and that is in regards to our songbird and flair. But then we also talked to him about the lawsuit that he had filed against Jay Clayton and Bill Hinman, but he did withdraw that one. And I think that he's waiting things, letting things kind of play out. Let's see how this Ripple versus SEC uh, case plays out. And then we'll see who we need to go against. All right. But then he's also uh, filed a case. Basically, um, I forget, I forget what it's called, but essentially what he's done is he's filed a case, brought it before the court where he's seeking clarity from the SEC on whether or not Ethereum is a security. He's saying that his business, HODL Law, uses, holds Ethereum, and he wants clarity. And so the way that he filed, and that's why I love these lawyers, guys. They find all sorts of different ways to make, you know, make claims, to get action, to get clarity. And these guys are the ones that are helping us. So go listen to that session with Fred Rispoli if you haven't already, okay? I'm gonna make sure, I'm gonna put it in the playlist uh, that I have for all of my interviews. But definitely go check out the session with Fred because he's fighting the good fight. Class action lawsuit against Coinbase for our songbird and flair. And then he filed a case against Jay Clayton and Bill Hinman, pulled it back, and then he's going to wait to see how this plays out. And then he's ready to, to make that move again if need be, right? But then he's also filed, filed this other action where he gets to get clarity from the court and from the SEC clearly stating whether or not Ethereum is a security. He's saying, you know, we operate, we hold Ethereum, and the SEC has, you know, given these speeches. They've, you know, said this and that publicly, but they never have put it into law. They never have really provided clarity. And so the way that he's positioned that motion, that claim, that uh, cause of action or whatever it's called is going to get an answer. And so huge shout out to Fred. And you guys got to check this one out because this is the most recent case here. Uh, Fred commenting on that, on this case here, he says a tough loss for sure, but the silver lining, the Fed can always be sued. Interesting note there, Fred. Good point. And so what are we looking at here? This is shared by Jeff Roberts. The Fed has refused to give a master account to Wyoming's stablecoin bank, a tough blow for Custodia as Caitlin Long played by the rules and did everything right. Hard not to view this as the banking lobby trying to kill a disruptive competitor. And so this is the full statement here from Custodia Bank. And this one is ran by, um, uh, sorry, what was her name? Caitlin Long, Caitlin Long. And it says right here, Custodia is surprised and disappointed by the board's action today, said Caitlin Long, Chief Executive Officer of Custodia. The Fed advised Custodia 72 hours ago that it could either withdraw its membership application or see it denied, and the Fed denied it in record time. Custodia offered a safe, federally regulated, solvent alternative to the reckless, reckless speculators and grifters of crypto that penetrated the U.S. banking system with disastrous results from some banks. Custodia actively sought federal regulation going above and beyond all requirements that apply to traditional banks. The board's denial is unfortunate but consistent with the concerns that Custodia has raised about the Federal Reserve's handling of its applications, an issue we will continue to litigate. An issue we will continue to litigate. Okay. So we understand that. And Fred, once again, says a tough loss for sure, 
but the silver lining, the Fed can always be sued. So like I said, guys, it's unfortunate that we have to get the lawyers involved. It's unfortunate that it comes to this. And this is Custodia Bank getting denied accounts with the Federal Reserve. So denied Federal Reserve accounts, banking accounts. And it's just a clear sign that they are scared, they are threatened, and they're doing everything within their ability to stop anybody coming forward with real solutions, solvent banks, using this new technology that's going to move us forward, move humanity forward. The old guard is not ready to give up control just yet. Okay, so once again, great points made by Fred. If you haven't already, go check out that session that we did with Fred. That was a massive session. Now, let's get into some good stuff, folks. Digital Perspectives shared this one from Link2. When the Link2 portfolio company PolySign's Atomic Net blockchain launches, it will provide institutional digital asset trading with the same kind of secure, compliant, and risk-managed settlement that the DTC Depository Trust Corporation provides. And so it looks like we're getting a new kind of word on the street from PolySign that they're working on an atomic net blockchain launching here shortly. And um, this is going to provide institutional digital asset trading with the same kind of secure, compliant, and risk managed settlement that takes place at the DTC. And uh, DTCC is what it's actually called, uh, Depository Trust Corporation. And we talked, we've talked in the past about just how much settlement, security settlement takes place at the DTCC and it's massive, right? And to see we get someone like this stepping up PolySign. PolySign uh, created by Arthur Brito, David Schwartz, and that's why the XRP community, you'll hear the XRP community talk about PolySign all the time, guys. So for those of you guys that are new here, we've been watching PolySign. We've been watching PolySign very closely. Um, you know, where did Codius go? Was Codius still being worked on? Hard to know. Is PolySign what Codius morphed into? Um, what we see here, though, is that PolySign is is getting ready to really uh, set this space free. And, and we're talking about institutional-grade custody. And we're talking about institutional-grade security settlement. Okay? Secure, compliant, and risk management. Yeah. And uh, so... This this is very interesting to watch. PolySign CEO Jack McDonald. I definitely follow him and listen to every time he speaks. He's running the show over there at PolySign. And a lot of it's kind of been in the background. But it's going to be a major player, in my opinion, in, in regards to uh, institutional-grade custody and settlement. It's going to be massive. Now we get a, another announcement here from Monica Long. Over half my professional career has been in crypto and more importantly at Ripple. I'm incredibly honored and ready to hit the ground running as president. So Monica Long has just been put in place as president of Ripple. She says, thank you, Brad Gollinghouse and Chris Larson for the opportunity of a lifetime. So Ripple says, starting the year off on a high note, we are excited to share that longtime Rippler and general manager Monica Long is now president. Read more about her appointment here. And so you guys can see uh, just onward and upward for Ripple, just continuing to um, see growth at the company, continuing to see growth within the XRP ecosystem, and we love to see it. And I think that Monica Long has just done a great job representing Ripple and uh, the, the work that she's doing to grow the XRP ecosystem has been absolutely massive. And I did highlight recently that she just put out a video on behalf of Ripple talking about the importance of data privacy and, and, and respecting the rights and the privacy of individuals' data. And so, like I continue to say, I think that you know Ripple, one of the 
few mature players in the space that does understand and respect individual privacy and rights. And I like to see that from a company like Ripple that everyone thinks is just this this globalist company that goes to Davos and rubs shoulders with the suits and is just complete elitist. Um, to see Monica Long, the conversations here that have been happening at Ripple, uh, these these people are are different than 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 just the the old guard elite that do not care about our privacy, do not respect the individual rights, and and I, I I'm glad to see that we got um some of these people at Ripple speaking out on that because a lot of people in the community I think have rightfully so been kind of concerned because we see them going to the World Economic Forum, uh, a, a place and a conference with an agenda that's interesting to say the least, right? That you know, um some some things that are are interesting right and to see them kind of make some some comments in this regard i think has been refreshing for me as someone who's been invested in xrp and you know you're worried oh my gosh am i investing in our own demise and is this the evil system the one world bankers coin i i think it is the one world bankers coin but you know i think that these are good people so that's that that that's uh neither here nor there whether or not these guys are good guys or bad guys it's inevitable the adoption of xrp as a world reserve digital currency is my opinion and these folks are making sure that it's as liquid as a g10 currency and so that's you know no matter what we think no matter who we think's good or evil in this fight um that's inevitable but i do like to see you know the comments from monica long i saw some good ones there from uh their central bank digital currency. Um, I'm blanking his name right now. James Wallace, I believe is his name, the CBDC advisor for Ripple. Um, good stuff, good stuff out of them. And then I love everything that I hear out of Brad as well. I think, you know, David Schwartz as well, all these people, they're, they're, they're working on behalf of the people too. Obviously, Ripple's main clients are institution-grade clients, banks, financial institutions, right? But they are working on some stuff for the retail level as well. Um, I was in a TikTok live earlier this this morning. I joined as a guest, kind of having a conversation, and I reminded everyone, you know, that Ripple did, you know, did, did do a grant program for $250 million NFT creator fund. And so while we talk about XRP being a banker's coin and Ripple, you know, it doesn't care about the retail investors. They only care about their banks and financial institutions. I believe that that's their priority and rightfully so. And I think that that's good for us as XRP holders that we get banks and financial institutions in. But we do continue to see their charity works top notch within the crypto space while the rest of the space is going bust and goes insolvent and runs to the hills, it goes into hiding. Ripple continues to double down with... Um, Great, incredible charity work and $250 million in an NFT creator fund, which was one of the largest at the time, actually, during a bear market. So we love to see that. Love to see it, Monica Long. Congratulations. Good stuff. Now, okay. Now, I want to put out a warning. I want to put out a warning. That was all the news, the current events, crypto news. Now, let's let's get into the speculation session, the speculation portion of the show. And I want to put out an alert. I, I want to say, you know... When we have some of these conversations, we are making assumptions. We're working on the data, the evidence, and the facts that we've been able to gather. We cannot complete this story. We cannot complete the equations. Uh, but we are just trying to figure this thing out. We are not afraid to talk a little bit of speculation, okay? Because we understand that this is a moving conspiracy. We're trying to stay over the target. But it's hard to when they are lying to our faces, they are manipulating us, and they are running psyops against us. But with that being said, I wanted to make it clear and put out the warning. We're about to get into the speculation session. 
Let's have a little bit of fun and cheers everyone. Thank you for tuning in tonight, Saturday night session. Let's have a little bit of fun with it. This is what you guys have been waiting for. Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb is like the Jim Cramer. It's the inverse uh, Cramer indicator. Whenever Alex Cobb goes bullish on XRP, we most likely are going to dump. But I did want to show you guys this because it's the same thing as silver, like I was showing you guys earlier. Alex says, we are currently in the mother of all XRP triangles. Some may not believe, but we are long overdue for what we deserve as a community. Let's enjoy the ride. And he's saying XRP $22 now. Now. Alex Alex knows what he's doing. He's a funny guy. Um, and, and huge shout out to Alex Cobb. Uh, but, but once again, the technical analysis, it's just so simple. It's just so clear as day. Uh, massive, massive upside opportunity once we do break out of this consolidation, okay? This thing's been suppressed just like silver has, okay? And, and we showed you guys here. Let me, let me run it back real quick for you guys. We showed you guys that the silver vaults are at their lowest levels ever at the London's Metals Exchange and that the COMEX registered silver vaults break below 33 million ounces, first time since May of 2017 when we see silver uh, demand continues to grow. We see countries like Peru where their silver uh, mining and their silver operations are actually getting held up by turbulence and chaos within their country. But then we also see this one. I think that uh, I don't think I've ever seen such an obvious market intervention in direct management of an asset as I have seen in silver in the last six weeks. It's shockingly obvious capping of price. And it is very similar to the case here with XRP as well. Alex Cobb calls it the mother of all XRP triangles. And I see the same thing with silver. I see the same thing with gold. And I do see a super chat there down below. SBF cellmate 589. Thank you for that super chat. Yo, Zach, how likely do you think it is that Coinbase has staked wrap XRP holders Flare Songbird? I don't think that Coinbase would go, go that far. I don't think that they're going to mess this one up. I think that they're trying to do things the right way, and they just haven't had clarity. And I also think that they work on the orders of the Wall Street investors that funded that company. And so I believe that they're just playing along. They're just doing their part. Um, I think that they're operating in a way that doesn't... Um, they're they're basically holding things up and their excuse is that they don't have clarity. Um, you know, it's coming. They tell us that the flare is going to be coming in the first half of Q, uh, first half of 2023. But I, I've long said that I do believe Coinbase will get their act together. They will do the right thing because I think that they want to be respected in this space. I think that they understand that this would be a huge blemish on uh, you know, you know, their track record and their trust. Most of the XRP community would no longer be using Coinbase, and that would be me included. Um, in fact, I've already kind of you know moved moved off of Coinbase completely. I'm trying to, th I don't really buy any of my assets on Coinbase anymore because I can get them in other places, other exchanges that I have more trust with. And Coinbase, although I do you know kind of trust them somewhat, they've done us dirty with this XRP, and they haven't communicated properly as many exchanges haven't. They have not communicated properly, and that's a problem. Okay. Now, um, okay, so we got this mother of all XRP triangles and huge, massive breakout opportunity. Do we want to debate? Does it go to $7? Does it go to $30? Upon breakout, it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere for sure. Now we get this tweet here put out by Tony Valentino, early XRP OG insider. Puts this tweet out yesterday at 3.22 p.m. Interesting timing. 
and he puts the judge's gavel, okay? And folks, I'm telling you right now, it does appear to me, we are going to be getting a, a ruling, and, and I'm just listening to the lawyers. We are finally here. We have gone through all the facts. We've gone through all the evidence. There's no more back and forth between the Ripple and the SEC. It is now up to the judge to give us the announcement, to give us the ruling, and it's going to be coming here soon one way or another. Right, That's the next thing that we're waiting on. So I don't think she's going to be making us wait too much longer. We've been here for over two years. It does hurt, but I think we're getting awfully close. Tony Valentino, someone that we've always watched, an account that we've always watched here in the XRP community. Okay, let's get real crazy with it, though, folks. We're not done. Now, this one was put out here by Florence Nightingale. I don't usually trust published dates, but these events will happen. Source, usmilitarynews.com. Now, I want to agree. Do not worry about the dates. In fact, I would say ignore the dates in this post. And instead, let's focus on the inevitable events to play out or potential events to play out. Let's have a little bit of speculation on how this story and timeline could go. Okay, let's take a look here, folks. We tune in. What do we got here? On January, on January 31st, the U.S. Inc. fiat dollar will officially transition to the new gold asset-backed U.S. note. As of Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, the U.S. Inc. fiat dollar will no longer be recognized as legal tender anywhere in the world. Banks will be using the new quantum financial system and Nasara Jasara will be fully activated. On Thursday, February 2nd, Banks, and I should be just skipping over the dates. Remember, don't worry about the dates. Focus on the events. Don't get triggered when you hear these crazy terms like quantum financial system. Understand, we have quantum computers. We have a financial system. The inevitable event will happen, which is rolling out a quantum financial system where settlement does occur on quantum computers. It's not that complicated, folks. Then... Banks and stores will start pulling the fiat U.S. dollar from circulation and sending it to the U.S. Treasury to be destroyed. Then, on February 3rd, Friday, all Basel IV compliant banks will go public with the new gold asset-backed currency international rates. Then, in Monday, March 20th, 2023. Now, this date's interesting to me because this is when SWIFT is now going to be, you know, the, the new SWIFT date is March and we see so many other dates in March, right, right? Don't put too much value on the dates, but the interesting thing here, they say in March, implementation of a new instant payment messaging standard by the banks would begin as it was the deadline to have all 209 major countries' currencies of the world to be on gold asset-backed standard and exchanging at a one-to-one -one with each other, a situation expected to last up to five years. So we have a window of opportunity, folks. We have a situation that's unfolding in real time. This is not conspiracy, right? This, this is not conspiracy. You and me and everybody else in crypto understands ISO 222 standard, right? So we understand this is real. Don't worry about the dates. I said the same thing when Swift pushes things back. When another network pushes the adoption of ISO back. Don't worry about them pushing it back. Understand what the inevitable event is. The inevitable event is they are moving to a new system, a real-time settlement system. ISO 222 is the messaging standard that most banks and financial institutions that matter will be adopting. That is real. 
That is not conspiracy. That is not a date. You can get the documents and print it out from your, you know, your printer as well. You can put it in your red folder. Put it in whatever color red folder or whatever folder you want. This is real. But let's continue on. After we get the implementation of a new instant payment messaging standard by the banks, which would begin as it was the deadline to have all 209 major countries' currencies of the world to be in a gold asset-backed standard and exchanging at a one-to-one -one with each other, a situation expected up to last five years. Right? Five years. And we know it was swift, right? They start the rollout now of ISO 222. It, it, basically, you had the ability to opt in to ISO messaging standard back in August of last year, if you were a SWIFT member, actually. But then we understand that the complete rollover, all SWIFT payments will be on ISO 222 messaging standard by 2025. Now, this 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 document here, this, this source, says that this situation will last up to five years. Okay, so that's kind of in line. Excuse me. Now, then they throw out this, which is <laughs> interesting. Uh, Wednesday 5th, April 5th, 2023, which would be the 4-5 date, and obviously Donald Trump is the 45th president, but hey, I, I don't want to get too crazy with our speculation and, and crazy theories here. But they say in April to expect a big event back again, America saved, nothing can stop what is coming, Donald Trump live on Telegram. Okay. And then as far as the event, I'm not even going to get into this. Um, this is something that we've been talking about for a while. I'm not even going to get into the quantum internet. Also something that we've been talking about for a while. The main points that I want to, to say to you guys, though, is that we are right here in it, guys. The major event that's on the horizon is going to usher in, help usher in this new financial system. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's three days of darkness, if it's 10 days of darkness, uh, what matters is that we are rolling to a new financial system. That is confirmed. We do have the Basel IV compliant banks, right? We understand Basel III adopted over a year ago now, right? And now we move to Basel IV. Now we start to see interesting situations taking place at Bank of America, which occurred a couple weeks ago, right? Where Zelle system goes down. They run out. They don't have your money. The whole systems are shut down. And that was just one instance of many that we continue to see. We continue to see the system break. We continue to see the system glitch. So do we know the exact uh, events that are set to play out? No, we don't. Do we know the exact date? No, we don't. But we do know what's inevitable. The U.S. dollar reserve currency status being reset. The U.S. debt being restructured. And a liquidity crisis that gets worse before it gets better and what's going to be the solution to that? Well, on-demand liquidity provided by Ripple and utilizing the XRP ledger might help facilitate and might help get us out of this problem. And let's continue with a little bit more speculation. I want to get into this. The R3 contract revisited. Folks, we need to talk about this. I went back to go look because this is so important. This confirms so much of our speculation on what's happening behind the scenes with, Rip, with Ripple and some of the leading banks and financial institutions in the world. Let's check this out, folks. Now, this is, I pulled this up, so important to go back to this deal. This is one of the most important things that's been exposed for us to research. In, okay, so right here, we're gonna start about what the dispute was that took place between Ripple and R3. 
This takes us all the way back to September of 2016. Ripple and R3 entered into an agreement whereby R3 would promote Ripple to its consortium of banks. However, the lawsuit refers to an agreement as a technology provider agreement. Additionally, a separate option contract was created, which Ripple says was intended as compensation. The option gave R3 the right to buy 5 billion XRPs at 0.0085 at any point until September 2019. At the time of the agreement, the XRP price was a little below that. So let's summarize, folks. Let's, let's, let's summarize this. What took place? R3 had a contract in 2016 to buy 5 billion XRP at less than a penny at any time until 2019. This deal was signed in September of 2016, and they had about three years to buy $5 billion, $5 billion XRP at a price under a penny at any time. But what was the deal with R3? What did Ripple want in return? Ripple was willing to give up 5 billion XRP for less than a penny. Boy, how times have changed, haven't they? And this is what I'm alluding to is that these contracts I'm sure have changed, right? But at the time, 5 billion XRP under a penny anytime over the next three years. What are we gonna get in return? We want you to introduce us to your banks, your partners who are working within the R3 quarter settler platform which I think is like 40% of banks worldwide uh, use R3. I mean, it's just a massive amount. R3 is absolutely massive. And, and Corda Settler Platform, absolutely massive. And we understand that uh, you know R3 did adopt XRP as the first cryptocurrency for settlement on their Corda Settler Platform. Corda Settler is blockchain agnostic. They have not picked XRP, even though it was picked as the first, and probably because it worked, one, and two, they did an option to purchase 5 billion XRP. And so they were planning on using XRP. They were planning on adopting XRP. And so what did they do? They wanted to acquire 5 billion from Ripple. Let's go back to this. They wanted to acquire 5 billion and the contract that they signed was a price of 0.0085 at any point until September, 2019. But Brad and Ripple were not pleased. They were not pleased with the performance on behalf of R3. Obviously, they didn't get enough bank contracts. They didn't get enough deals signed. They weren't introduced to enough banks. And Ripple decided to terminate the agreement on June 12, 2017. Brad Greinhouse, the CEO of Ripple, informed R3 it was terminating the agreement, allegedly on the basis that R3 had not upheld its side of the bargain. On that date, the XRP price was $0.28 cents and the option was worth $1.35 billion. It appears the promotion contract failed to stipulate performance clauses such as the number of banks introduced by R3 to Ripple. Instead, there was a clause requiring both parties to act in good faith. So basically, they didn't have any number like, okay, uh, for this deal to go through, you need to introduce us to 10 banks or you need to introduce us to 100 banks. And so instead, there was just a clause requiring both parties to act in quote unquote good faith. Well, that's where the deal went sideways. Ripple wasn't pleased. And R3 was obviously looking to execute a contract when XRP at the time had gone up to 28 cents in June of 2017 in, in that bull run, right? In September of 2017, R3 sued Ripple in New York and Delaware to get the options contract reinstated. The options would have been worth just shy of $1 billion at that stage. 
But what happened later on? On January 4th of this year, this article is from 2018. So on January 4th, 2018, Ripple's XRP hit $3.67, which would have valued R3's options at $18.3 billion. At today's price, the options would have been worth $1.25 billion. But near the height of that, during the all-time high, right, they would have had over $18 billion worth of XRP with that, uh, with that contract. Okay. Um, but what, what happened here is in January 2018, Ripple countersued R3, claiming that R3 had breached the promotion contract and alleging R3 had fraudulently induced Ripple to enter into the TPA and option contract. So Ripple said in the claims that although R3 represented to Ripple that it would have access to its large consortium of leading banks, R3 knew and had reason to know that several key banks that would be instrumental to Ripple's success would soon be departing from its consortium. This refers to Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, and Santander, who chose not to remain in R3's consortium of almost 40 banks. But remember, guys. Santander did end up in 2018, I believe, becoming a Ripple partner. So basically, Ripple was able to become a Santander partner without R3 after Santander left R3's consortium of almost 40 banks. The Ripple countersuit continued, quote, although R3 represented to Ripple that it would use its financial markets expertise and relationships to help drive adoption of Ripple, R3 knew and had reason to know it would be too busy with and focused on its own fundraising to help Ripple in any respect. Uh, R3 closed a funding round of $107 million in May of 2017. Ripple canceled their contract weeks later. Ripple's countersuit also alleged that while R3 represented uh, that commercialization of Ripple's product was R3's endgame. So, so guys, this is interesting. Ripple is alleging that, that, that uh, the commercialization of Ripple's product was R3's endgame. This was the end game for R3, according to Ripple. And the R3 had no plan or intentions to directly compete with Ripple on a cross-border payments product. These representations were two, two were false. R3's end game apparently was to unveil a product that directly competed with Ripple's cross-border payments technology. So what ends up happening, right? What ends up happening is they settle up and Ripple sells them uh, 1 billion XRP. So instead of 5 billion XRP under a penny, they were able to acquire 1 billion XRP. And I don't know if the settlement price was for, uh, you know, that 0 0.008 just under a penny or, or what that settlement price was for the XRP, but they were allowed to acquire 1 billion XRP through that settlement. Now, why am I bringing this up? Why are we revisiting the deal with R3? Well, it confirms a couple things for us that are extremely important when us in the XRP community are doing our speculation on what's taking place behind the scenes. The R3 deal proves that pre-allocation deals and contracts are being done with Ripple and some of the leading banks in the world. This confirms that, okay? And remember that R3 is not just one bank, one financial institution. This was a consortium of over 40 banks, some of the biggest players in the world at one time we're using R3 and still are, still are. So this deal proves that Ripple is doing pre-allocation contracts with XRP and that they are agreeing on and setting a price in those option contracts. Now, what else do we know? 
We know that Ripple has partnered with over 400 banks and financial institutions. We know that Ripple has sat down with over 50 central banks. So one would be led to asking the question, I wonder, I would speculate, and maybe one would be safe to assume that some pre-allocation contracts have been presented to some of those 400 banks and financial institutions that have already partnered up with Ripple. And Brad Garlinghouse just told us in Davos that 50% of those transactions are now going through XRP. So one might want to question, one might assume that at least a pre-allocation contract has been presented to any one of these banks and financial institutions or one of the over 50 central banks that Ripple has met with, okay? And why does this matter? This matters, guys, because we have a situation where Ripple is the treasury and the market maker for XRP. They are the custodians. They determine the monetary policy, just like a treasury would. The United States Treasury is supposed to be the ones in control of our monetary policies, not the Federal Reserve. So, so we compare here, Ripple is like the treasury and also the market maker because they're the ones that are making the market for XRP. They're the ones that are setting the price in these contracts, in these options. When they go sell their XRP from the escrow accounts to their on-demand liquidity partners, as we've seen over the last three years, they've only been giving XRP to their on-demand liquidity partners. They are setting the price. They are determining what they can get. Now, obviously, the market price, what XRP is trading at, comes into that equation, comes into that deal, comes into that contract. When they sit down across the table, right, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to pitch them that, hey, we believe that XRP, you, you know, we're willing to give you an option for XRP at a dollar, right? You, you know, that's a case that Ripple has to make. That's how they have to sell. That's the proposition that they would be making. Back in 2016, they were willing to make a contract for 5 billion XRP at under a penny any time over the next three years. And I really believe that what took place was a massive mistake on behalf of Ripple entrusting the old guard, entrusting R3, the, an industry player. And this is what happens in business all the time is people screw you over. You sign a contract with them and they don't uphold their end of the contract. So then you terminate the contract. And then when damages are done, you would go seek damages. Now in this deal, they were able to come to the table and they were able to come to a settlement. Here, here's a billion XRP. We're not pleased with your performance. Here's a billion XRP. And they agree on that, right? But once again, what we have in the comparison to be made here is that Ripple, similar to a treasury, controls the monetary supply and the monetary policy of the XRP currency. And then they also are the market maker in the way that they have control of the XRP. Now, I understand, and, and I understand where people are going to say, they're going to say Ripple's not the market maker. They use market makers. That came out and that was exposed in the SEC lawsuit about how they're using market makers to dump their XRP, bro. Well, one, that's false. They were you know using market makers. Yes, that, that is true. But they were doing so that so that they could get rid of their XRP, get it into the hands of their partners without affecting the price too much. And that's why they were using the market makers. And so I understand. But just for a, a point of argument and just to kind of make this easy to understand, I think that it's appropriate to compare them to a treasury because they have monetary policy. 
And then we can compare them to the market maker because they have the supply. It's on their terms. They decided willingly to lock up the escrow in that time-locked 55-month escrow to where they only get 1 billion XRP per month. And then from there, they get to determine the monetary policy. Are we going to print another billion XRP this month or are we going to send it back into the escrow? I understand. It's already been mined. It's already been printed. It's already been created. But I just want you guys to understand. But then we also can compare them to an IMF and a bank of international settlements because they play the role of an IMF of holding an ESDR, the special drawing rights, the reserve basket, the reserve currency of the new financial system, of the digital economy, of the internet of value is XRP. But then they're also similar to the Bank of International Settlements because they are creating products like Liquidity Hub, like on-demand liquidity, where settlement can occur. So guys, people, people, people think I'm crazy because I think XRP is going to replace the dollar. This is so much bigger than replacing the dollar, right? This is, this is a world reserve currency, but it's also the settlement network that's being created, the settlement infrastructure that's being created as well. And the, the point here that I want to make is that I think that this R3 contract deal proves, proves once again that we got pre-allocation deals taking place. But it also shows us that Ripple made a big mistake with that contract. So here's where my speculation comes in. They've sat down. They've already got 400 banks and financial institutions partnered up with them. And they've settled uh, and they've sat down with 50 central banks. We know that. So my question is, what contracts were presented at those tables? When, when, when Ripple sat across from these banks, from these financial institutions, from these central banks, when they went to the BIS, when they go to the World Economic Forum, what kind of pre-allocation deals are getting done now? Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm out of pocket and maybe they're not doing any more pre-allocation deals. But how would Ripple cover themselves if, if they wanted to make sure that they were covered going forward with pre-allocation contracts? They would set the price higher. And they also could put in and implement other portions of that contract as well, uh, you know, other parts of the agreement that would need to be upheld as well. Basically, uh, you know, you know, uh, freezing their ability to sell. Okay, you can take XRP in here, but you're not going to be able to dump it. There's all sorts of deals that could be done. What what does get interesting, what the main case here uh, that we're fighting now with the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit is, are those contracts, uh, you, you know, a sale of a security? Is it an investment contract? right? Doesn't meet the definition of a security. When you layer XRP in different options, when you do securitize that contract with other different, uh, you know, tools with other different assets based on other different factors and, 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 you know, things like that, you can create a security 100%. And then this is the big question at hand. But for me, this question gets interesting to ask, you know, what contract is being presented at the table now and how would you cover it? To me, uh, there's been speculation going around. There's been people I just saw Black Swan Capitalist uh, suggested that the IMF has already set the price of XRP. Well, I, I want to make the point here that I think that Ripple is the one that's setting the price. <clears throat> you know, if Ripple sat down with the IMF, with the Fed, with any of these, you know, global entities, and they've basically just rolled over and given up and said, okay, you guys can have the escrow. Um, we're going to give the escrow to you guys. We give it up, right? Uh, 
if that's the case, then okay, then maybe, yeah, the IMF is going to set the price of XRP because XRP is going to be the ESDR. I, that's potential, right? We're talking speculation. I could see that 100%. But as long as Ripple's in control of the escrow, I'm going to make the case here that Ripple is setting the price because they get to determine not only the price of the XRP that, that, that they're selling, but they also get to determine the other factors around that sale as well. And they get to determine who they're going to sell to which has been my my long point that I've been making is that, guys, the exchanges eventually are going to run out unless Ripple bails us out and gives us a little bit more XRP for us little Joe Blow retail investors. We're not getting XRP coming from the escrow. So the circulating supply that we see on CoinMarketCap is a, a myth. It, it's a, it, it's a, a, a confusion, a point of confusion within the broader crypto space when they're looking at coin market cap, when they're looking at circulating supply, they are you know, looking at a circulating supply for XRP that's 50 billion XRP. That is not the case. There is not 50 billion XRP circulating. There is not 50 billion XRP available for liquidity. My XRP is not circulating. You are not getting my XRP. You, you, you could potentially buy. Uh, I'm going to, you guys know my exit strategy. I'm going to sell about 5% of my bag around 10 bucks, probably another 5% around 20 bucks. And then I'm holding the remaining 90% forever. And then my XRP won't be available for liquidity until a market maker, until a uh, automated market maker, until a liquidity pool, until a bank comes along that I can trust or I create my own bank and, and we set up our own deals. My XRP ain't going to be available for liquidity. It is not circulating. It is in my wallets hidden not available. And that leads us into the next portion of our speculation session, which is in revisiting, mathematically speaking, how high can XRP go? Now, uh, huge shout out to Julia. I see a five spot super chat there. Thank you, Julia. I do appreciate that. I see a two spot from Mr. Lucky. US debt clock not showing dollar to oil, silver, gold. Yes, we did cover that. And that is kind of the glitches and kind of the, the, the same glitches that we see with XRP, right? What is going on here? What's really going on? But this brings us in when we talk about the supply. This brings us back to revisiting, mathematically speaking, how high can XRP go? And so we covered this. We're going to go back. This was from Joel Katz on Reddit back in June of 2017, where David Schwartz, the CTO of Ripple and creator of the XRP Ledger, was asked, mathematically speaking, what is the highest price XRP could get to? Now, originally when I shared this, I only shared the top half of this post, and I didn't even realize that there was a whole other half uh, th that I was missing. And so we got to revisit this. Joel Katz responds to, mathematically speaking, what is the highest price XRP could get to? He says, it all depends how big you want to dream. What if Ripple captures Bitcoin's current market share? $2. Remember, this was shared in 2017. If Ripple captures Bitcoin's current market share, we get a $2 XRP. What if Ripple captures the value of all high friction international payments that are now occurring? $20. But this is where we, we got to look at the equation. We got to look at this. And David says this. You could add a multiplier to this for additional demand from people holding XRP to make or facilitate the payments in the future. So he's making the point that I was just making, right? That the circulating supply, the supply available for liquidity uh, is much less than what we are led to believe by looking at the coin market cap circulating supply data. Even if we go, you know, check the XRP scan 
and we see how much XRP Ripple has, we see how much XRP is out there, quote unquote, circulating, that is not the real circulating supply. That is not the supply available for liquidity, not for on-demand liquidity, not for liquidity for any other, you know, people that want to use XRP for liquidity. It's not available for any other use case because it's being held. So David says you could add a multiplier to this for additional demand from people holding XRP to make or facilitate the payments in the future. What if Ripple captures the value of an increasing volume of international payments driven by the reduction in friction? Maybe $120. But he says same point as above, you could justify a multiplier to this. But then we get into a little bit of speculation from David Schwartz and I love to see it. He asks, what if the economy triples in size? The volume of international payments increases. <clears throat> Ripple captures all of that. And people also use Ripple for all kinds of other things because it either displaces Bitcoin or equals in size a Bitcoin that's many times its current size. And we also expand the economy to other planets that also use XRP and dot, dot, dot. And, and so you can see where he's saying, as big as you want to dream. And Greg Kidd called it an intergalactic currency. Right? And David Schwartz says, if we want to take this to other planets, that's how far we could go. And obviously, I'm just having some fun with you guys. But he says this, and this is so important how he finishes this off. As for how likely these scenarios are, though, who can say? That's the thing, guys. None of us know. None of us know. This is speculation. But Ripple equaling Bitcoin's current market cap sometime in the near future doesn't seem any more outrageous to me now then the idea of a Bitcoin selling for over $1,000 seemed to me in 2012. So remember, David Schwartz was sharing this here in 2017. He talks about it seemed outrageous that back in 2012 that Bitcoin would share for a dollar. So imagine what David was thinking when he saw Bitcoin trading for $69,000 in the last bull run, right? But he's making some key points that we've been talking about with people that are trying to do the market cap bros that just can't figure out how XRP could potentially surpass Bitcoin, right? Well, David, David Schwartz right here is saying that it doesn't seem that outrageous to him to surpass the market cap of Bitcoin, right? But he makes the point that you have to factor in other things. You have to add in a multiplier. You, you have to readjust your calculations because the true circulating supply that you use to calculate market cap is not the supply available for liquidity. It is not truly circulating. That circulating supply is being held by me, by you. We aren't going to give up our XRP until it's at a much higher price. We aren't going to make our XRP available for liquidity until a bank, a DeFi play, an automated market maker comes available that we can trust, that we can stake our XRP at, right? And actually provide liquidity until then, it is not circulating. It is not available. So what does that mean? That you need more XRP and that you need a higher price to create that liquidity that you seek in the market. Whether that's for cross-border payments, whether that's for internal treasury flows, whether that's for the countless other use cases and utilities that are going to be brought to the XRP ledger and that are going to be spawned from the internet of value as everything on this planet gets tokenized. So how big do you want to dream? Is XRP an intergalactic currency? Are we going to take XRP to other planets? Now we're just having fun. But the point remains, guys. Ripple holds the keys. Ripple has the gold. And what's the old saying? 
He who has the gold makes the rules. And that's the case that I see right now. Is that Ripple gets to determine how this plays out, right? Barring that they are overtaken, that they are forced to give up XRP, to give up the escrow, to give up control of some of that supply. Um, but barring that happening, we have a company here in Ripple that is playing the role of the treasury, is playing the role of a market maker. And also, I would compare them to an IMF with their ESDR, the, the, the bridge currency, XRP. And I would also compare them to the Bank of International Settlements because they're going to be one of the largest platforms. They're creating multiple networks, Liquidity Hub, On-Demand Liquidity, just to name a couple, that are going to allow settlement of every single asset, commodity, security, and form of value in our new digital economy that is going to be growing, that is going to see efficiencies. And so, once again, for me, uh, folks, right now, at this moment in time, we are close. We are very, very close to that next major big event to playing here out. I don't focus on the date. I understand we got two months for a settlement to get announced. We got two months to get a ruling from the judge. Understand what is inevitable. And I call these inevitable events. Don't, don't focus so much on the dates. Focus on the inevitable events that are set to play out here. And how can you invest and prepare your family accordingly? I've told you guys. It's very clear to me this story, how this plays out with XRP. And even if we're halfway right or halfway wrong, we still win. We still have a life-changing opportunity. So I'm accumulating XRP and a few other digital assets. I'm accumulating precious metals, silver. And uh, I'm going to go learn a little bit more about precious metals over the next couple of days at the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. I'm really looking forward to it. And we also have cash on the sidelines to move in the real estate asset class as well while we run our and grow our businesses on a daily basis, right? <clears throat> but we are here, folks. Um, the bottom doesn't seem to be in to me. And I want to pull up the, the charts here at this point and make a couple points on that. So we see that Bitcoin has been trading above 23,000 now <clears throat> for a, a few days here. So I'm going to pull up. I see. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Let's take a look here at the charts, guys. So we see um, this is the Bitcoin daily chart on KuCoin <clears throat> going all the way back to June. This was the June, <clears throat> we had the Terra Luna, and then we had the Celsius crash, right? That brought us back down below 18K. And that was pretty serious back there in June, right? But then we see here that uh, we've been trending sideways all the way up until that FTX collapse that brought us down to the lows in November of 15,600, okay? Then we pump over the last month. Why, why did we pump? What happened? Well, in my opinion, what took place, guys, is this was an organized, co coordinated pump by CZ Binance and other market makers, other uh, you, you know whales within the cryptocurrency space, and specifically exchanges and basically uh, players like CZ Binance that have the ability to print hundreds of millions of Binance USD stablecoin that they can use to inject liquidity into the system. And by doing so, they're able to cover their margins, able to cover their liabilities and the outflows that are taking place at Binance. And this was also benefiting other players that knew that this was coming and they were able to partake in this manipulation. Pumping this thing back up from 16,000 all the way up to 23.8 is the highs that we hit. And remember, this was an over a 50% move up from the lows in November all the way up here to 23.8. 
So there's a lot of arbitrage to be had there and you guys see how quickly it had. And you guys saw the chart that I shared with you guys just last week where we saw, uh, you know, 100 million BUSD printed this day, 200 million BUSD printed this day. And then on January 20th, a day before we reached that new all-time, that new high within the range that we've been trading within, we see 148 million was printed at the USDC treasury. So the pump last month was complete manipulation, complete printing, and it was Binance USD, and it was tre uh, treasuries over there at USDC as well. And this was a coordinated move, right? And this killed, just, just, just killed the shorts, right? It's what they do. They killed all the shorts, took us all the way up here, and now everyone thinks the bottom is in. Everything, everyone thinks that we're good to go. Keep on pumping it, baby, right? And they're desperate for the pump. They're desperate for these green candles only to set us up to come back down lower. Now, why? Why? Because you saw in that chart all the way where we're at today, going all the way back to June to when we really got into the depths of this bear market back below 20,000. What has changed? What has been fixed? What has been cleaned up? FTX is the major one, which was good. It was very good to see FTX, you know, obviously that, that harmed some of the investors of FTX and the people that had their funds there. I do feel bad for those people, but FTX went, that was major, that was major, but what else has been cleaned up? What else has happened and occurred since we headed down to the depths of this bear market, right? Not much. And so this is why I'm saying from a fundamental level, there's no reason why we should have had that recovery other than it was manipulation. They had a reason. They had, they had to cover their own liabilities. They have their own loans to pay off. And so that's why they pump this thing. That's why they print the Binance USD. I, I mean, there was over a billion Binance USD printed over the last month that led to this pump. It was so clear to see. And that's the beautiful thing here with blockchain technology is we can actually see how they're manipulating this thing. Clear as day. And the final blow-off top came when the USDC Treasury minted 148 million USDC on January 20th. The next day, we get that pop. And, and did we call it? We did. Back at the beginning of the month, we said, watch out for, for a pullback around the full moon, January 6th. We didn't really get it. We didn't really get it. It didn't really come. We did go back to 16,300. So technically speaking, it kind of did come in. We set the lows. But then we said, watch out, new moon, January 21st. Sure enough, they pumped that damn thing back up to 23,800 and over 50% pump from the lows back in November. And it's because they turned on the money printers at Binance at the Paxos Treasury, right? But the point that I'm making and the point that I you know, continue to say here, I wish I could be bullish. I wish I could uh, you know, be excited about this pump. But guys, the manipulation is clear as day. And this is not what we want. We don't want to get the pump and dumps based off manipulation. We want to see the value and the, the, the value grow from the adoption from the utility. And we want to see the price reflect that in the, in the growth that matches that growth and adoption. We don't want manipulation pumps. I know people are cheering. I know people are excited. You know, your AI coin pumped last month. Because everyone was was jerking off in front of their computer using chat GPT, thinking that it's the coolest thing ever. And so your AI coins pumped because everyone is literally just 
I shouldn't use such vulgar terms, but that's what this is. Oh, bro, I really think the AI is the future. Yes, it is. But the, your AI coin is not doing anything, right? And so we're still in manipulation. We're still in the bullshit phase of this space. And until we clean this out, I am not going to feel right about the pumps that are taking place. And you know whether it's right or wrong or whatever the case may be, the manipulation is clear as day. So you know you can either fall for the suckers rally, or you can see it for what it is, and you can see the fundamentals, and you can see the TA that uh, shows us where we go next. In my opinion, we have not bottomed out. And in my opinion, we for sure get a pullback. So even if we have bottomed out, 15,600, 15,500 was the bottom in November, we still are going to get a pullback. So prepare for that in the short term. And until we get regulatory clarity, until we get that ripple for the SEC settlement, until we get regulations from Congress, we're going to continue to be in this manipulation. We're going to continue to be in this, uh, all these different schemes that are being ran behind uh, the closed doors by CZ Binance, by these exchanges, by these market maker whales. And we've long been talking and saying, you know, these exchange tokens, the real utility for those exchange tokens is allowing those exchanges to cover their own ass by printing their own tokens and covering their own liabilities and debts and covering when, you know, Binance, what's how many billions have been pulled off the Binance platform over the last couple months? So you can choose to fall for the suckers rally and think that the bottom is in and think that we're going to continue on to the upside from here. And we may, and we may, but remember, I'm looking at this chart going all the way back here and you guys can see where it takes us. Until we surpass 25,000, for me, there's no reason to get excited. And even if we do pass 25,000, we go to 25, we go to 30K from here. We haven't cleaned up the space. We don't have regulations. So what would be leading to that pump? It would be manipulation. It would not be based off fundamentals. It would not be based off of utility adoption. The only reason it would be occurring would be manipulation. So, with that being said, we have an opportunity while they keep this thing stalled out, while we wait for the ripple versus the SEC to settle up, we have an opportunity to grow our business. Now, I wanted to make one final point here. There's much division, there's much fighting, there's much FUD, there's much confusion within the XRP community right now and within the overall markets, not just in XRP, not just in crypto, but everyone is feeling this recession, is feeling this bear market. But I see an underlining uh, sediment that has been growing in the XRP community of, oh, woe is me, they won't let me get rich, my life will always be a struggle. If you believe that, if you speak those words, that will become your reality. And I understand the sentiment. I have sympathy for it. I don't want you guys to think that I'm just on my high horse and, oh, I, you know, my businesses are doing good. And so I don't know why everyone else isn't winning and isn't having a good time. I have sympathy and I understand. And to me, it's not a, it's not a joke. It's not a game. And I barely, I celebrate my victories by taking my wife out to dinner and then we get back to work the next day. I don't spend one second just sitting back on the little victories that I've had. But the point that I want to make is that I see a lot of people, this is wearing down on them. 
And, and for me, what I'm trying to do is provide clarity to people on, on the real adoption, the real partnerships that we can print out, the proof that we have, that we can hold on to, that no, we are right on. We are over the target. We aren't crazy. This is taking place. And we are very close, right? But I see a portion of the XRP community that's getting caught up in this, oh, woe is me. They will never let me be rich. I will always be a peasant. There's no way that this could happen for me. And I believe that if you believe that, if you speak that and you live by that, that that will occur, right? But I think it's up to us to understand that we're playing by the same rules. It's the same tax code. It's the same laws. Yes, they have some advantages. They come from elite families. They're in the circle, whatever. Okay, fine. But the people that I see with that sentiment are the people that aren't taking action in other areas. All they are doing is investing a little bit in XRP, maybe some other cryptocurrencies, and they sit back and pray instead of going and starting that side hustle, instead of going and starting the business, instead of figuring out how do I get more OT at my job? How do I grow with inside my job? How do I become irreplaceable at my job so that I can demand a higher wage, a higher salary? How do I take care of my family? How do I make, make, make sure that my family is going to stay healthy? Stay, stay fed well with good natural food. In our community, I see us addressing not just our XRP investments, not just hoping and praying that our XRP goes to 50K and that we get a Fed buyback, but we stack the precious metals. We stack the essentials, the food. We don't care if you call us crazy preppers. I understand what's happening with inflation. I don't care if you call me a crazy prepper. To me, I call it hedging inflation. And I am prepared for any situation that were happen. I am going to be able to take care of my family. And when XRP stalled out, and when a bear market's occurring, and a recession is occurring, I am saying my business is not going to participate. I'm going to set aside the funds so that I can go to acquire these properties when they come on sale. Acquire these businesses when they're ready to turn the key and give up. So that I can acquire these suppressed assets that are going to be fundamental in the new financial system. So that I can go acquire the suppressed digital assets like XRP and XLM that have been held up and stalled. So don't get caught up in the FUD. Don't get caught up in the confusion. I leave for two days and now everyone's wrapped up in an XPR conspiracy. That that <clears throat> XPR is the one. It's It was never XRP. We did the bearable guy decode. We looked at the picture of the bear once again, and we were lied to. We missed it. It was actually XPR. I come back from my, my little vacation. I come back. I'm like, man, the XRP community is grasping for anything. And I get it. I have sympathy. I have sympathy for the crypto bros begging that the bottom has come in and that the, 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 the bull market is back on. I have sympathy for it. But that's not the case. That's not reality. And in regards to our XRP investment, if you want to be a sad boy, if you want to say, oh, woe is me, they will never let me get rich. You want to live by that. You want to speak that into existence. You will. You will. But I'm not going to accept it. And if they are going to screw us, the worst case scenario plays out. The world does end. Well, we put up a fight. And, and God will see the fight that we put up. And we will go meet our maker knowing that we put up one hell of a fight. But 
I'm not going to sit back, oh, woe is me. You guys remind me of sitting around the, the bonfire with the boys complaining about this or that. Let's stop complaining about, let's go get something done. Let's go build a business. Let's figure out how to invest in real estate. Let's figure out how to adopt uh, distributed ledger technology into our business. Let's figure out how to become our own bank. Let's start a farm. Let's start a garden. Right? How do I save my family members that took the secret sauce that was causing some damages? What are we going to do? Do something else with your life besides just hold XRP and pray and complain. Hold crypto assets and complain. Say, oh, woe is me. They'll never let us get rich, man. When has that ever happened? Now, I see, I almost missed it. Waterbug1999, I see you with a major 50 spot super chat. Cheers, Zach, uh, Chad, and uh, Jody. Chad and Jody. Thank you, Waterbug1999. I appreciate that 50 spot. That's an absolute major super chat, and I do really appreciate that. But let, let me just finish this point. Get away from those people as fast as possible right now, guys. Get away from them. And, and some of them are your family. And, and that's fine. Go see them at Christmas. Go see them at Thanksgiving. Get them a birthday present. You're still going to talk to them. Still respect them. Still have sympathy. But don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in that mentality. Don't get caught up in that mentality. Don't let those people infiltrate your mindset, your business plans, your aspirations, your dreams. We got to go live our lives. We're more than just XRP. I'm more than just an XRP influencer. You're more than just a member of the XRP army. We're a lot more than that. So live our lives while we are caught up in this mess. So that, you know, when it's all said and done, at the very least, we can say that we put up one hell of a fight. What's the alternative? Bending over and giving up? It ain't in me. It ain't in my blood. And, and it ain't going to happen. My, pro my, my program is not that program. Okay, so get tapped in. If you want to surround yourself with individuals that are looking to win, big hitters that are getting deals done, get tapped in. We're about to have, we had our weekly Discord call this morning, every Saturday, but next Saturday, we're going to have our next real estate session, real estate roundtable session over in our Discord group. Get in touch. Okay, we'll get you in our group and we'd love to have you join us for the conversation because we're understanding how to get it done in every single asset, understanding the full opportunity at hand. Not just sitting back and being little bitches, complaining. Like a lot of these guys, and I hate to say it, but they're mostly over on TikTok. The little TikTok guys whining and complaining in my comment section. Man, Zach, I was a big fan until you busted out the red folder in the suit. Man, do you really think they'll let this happen? Bro, for that to be possible, XRP would have to surpass the market cap of Bitcoin. And? <laughs> we'll easily settle the market cap of Bitcoin every damn day. We're solving trillion dollar problems. Don't you get it? <laughs> right? Surround yourself with positive people that are taking action, that are working within their community, at their church, within their businesses, continuing to grow during a recession. 
continuing to grow during a bear market. This is why we've invested in XRP and Ripple. They're not going away. Ripple's sitting on over a billion dollars cash, ready to invest, ready to make moves, mergers, acquisitions, right? Which in their case, mostly probably just talking acquisitions, picking over the skeleton of FTX, picking over the skeleton, the remains of the crypto spaces. That's what Ripple's doing, right? Onward and upward. And uh, once again, guys, over the next couple of days, I'm going to be attending that Vancouver Resource Investment Conference. I'm so excited to share with you guys what I can learn there. Uh, the sessions that take place are going to be massive ones. And so I'll be reporting back on those. Uh, if you missed the session that we did with Fred Rispoli last week, make sure you guys go check out that session. You got to understand your rights with these digital assets. You got to understand the fight that these that these lawyers are making. Huge shout out to Fred Rispoli, John Deaton. These guys are the guys that have filed lawsuits. Not just talking and giving their thoughts. These guys have actually filed lawsuits against the SEC, Jay Clayton, Bill Hinman, against Coinbase on behalf of our Songbird Flare tokens. On behalf of everyone in digital assets, Fred Rispoli filed this action here where he's going to get clarity on whether or not Ethereum is a security. Just a cut and dry answer. I'm using Ethereum for my business. I hold it. I'm, I'm, I'm requesting you guys give me clarity. Is it a security or not? And these lawyers are smart. And we got we to understand why we got the lawyers involved. So go back, listen to that session if you missed that one. And then over the next couple of days, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference is going to be taking place. We'll be getting ready to do our real estate roundtable next Saturday. Massive session. Get tapped in. It's at my website, zachrector.com. And then also, uh, you guys already know the deal. If you're looking to acquire precious metals, move your retirement account 401k over to precious metals. My affiliate link down below will help you do so. Get in touch with my people and they will ship the metals to your house. Or if you got the 401k, They'll help you move it on over. Get in touch with my people. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Greatest Transfer of Wealth with your host, Zach Rector. Please remember to follow us over on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Rumble. To get in touch, please just head on over to ZachRector.com. You can check out all of our affiliate links and get access to our exclusive Discord community over at the website. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. And all that we ask is that you share this message with other like-minded individuals. If you appreciate the show, feel free to go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We will see you in the next one. Take care and God bless.